0: Welcome to the Courageous Entrepreneur Show. This is the show that shares information and inspiration to help you stand out when you hate standing out, sell your services without being salesy, and consistently take action with courage, confidence, and clarity. I'm your host, Winnie Anderson. The show features interviews with entrepreneurs who've overcome amazing challenges to create success on their terms and experts who share insight and practical information that can help you build a foundation for success or make the next big leap to create the thriving successful business you dream of and deserve. The show is available in both video and audio formats on a variety of platforms, including iTunes, iHeartRadio, in the Google Play Store, on YouTube, and of course on my website at winnieanderson.com. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll share the show with others, and I hope you'll decide to join my community of passionate, mission-driven introverts who are out to change the world. You can do that by becoming a fan of the show on my site at winnieanderson.com slash fans. When you do, you'll get episodes delivered right to your inbox, along with information, tips, and resources to help you get your message out, build your brand, and build a thriving business and reach your biggest goals. You know, experts tell us the key to success is to find a problem and solve it. Many of the most successful entrepreneurs and greatest products actually were created because the entrepreneur entrepreneur had a problem themselves and recognized that there was nothing out to solve it. And like that little red hen from the children's story, they decided to do it themselves. Today's episode is a great example of just that. It's also an example of how the best solutions are often the simplest. In this episode, criminal defense attorney Judith Sampson shares how she created a product that solves a problem that she had herself and how she ended up building a successful side business. Listen in as Judith explains how she came up with the idea for her product, the process of getting a sample product made, why she had to get the product made in China, things to watch out for to protect your ideas and intellectual property, and some hidden benefits of building a business focused on women's breasts while raising boys. As always, listen all the way to the end where I'll share your cocktail exercise and action step for this episode.
1: All right, so welcome, Judith. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much. It's
0: a pleasure. Thank you. All right. So let's just dive right in here. You know, I have to say that when I first heard about your product, it was like one of those giant head slap moments, like, no kidding. Why didn't I think of this? It's just, I think every woman is going to have that kind of aha moment. So can you talk about when you got this idea and when did you decide to just, you know, take this on by yourself?
1: Sure. So I'm a criminal defense attorney by day and (laughs) I saw my reflection in sort of a building mirror uh, window, I guess. And I looked... Everything was bouncing up and down, and when I got home, I thought, okay, what is going on? I looked wider than I should, and so when I looked in the mirror, I pulled my bra cups gently together, and I noticed immediately a slimming effect, and that's where the idea was born, and immediately, we looked up to see if something like that exists, something to bring everything in a little bit, and it did not, and it was such an obvious fix, shocking that it didn't exist yet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My thought too, as soon as I saw it. Um, So let's talk a little bit then about the whole process of getting a product like this made. I mean, I wouldn't know the first thing about it. So how did you even begin to start figuring this whole thing out? Where does one go when, when you have a product idea?
1: Right, I had no idea either. I mean, I know how to practice law. I know <laughs> about manufacturing or making a product. So I um, asked a friend of mine who is a PR person. I asked her if she'd want to be my partner, and it took some convincing, but um, because she's very flat-chested, so she's not somebody who would need to use this product. But she loved the idea so much, she jumped on board right away, and so we just kind of did our homework. We found a manufacturer. We tried to get a manufacturer here locally, but that didn't work. Too expensive, And they actually told okay. us, you got to go through China. And ultimately we did find a very, very reputable uh, Chinese manufacturer who has been wonderful to deal with. And they helped us create the actual, well, no, I take that back. We had to come up with exactly the prototype that we wanted. Okay. They don't come up with ideas for you. But once we sent them the prototype, they do it and they make it very efficiently, send us back a sample. So that's okay. how everything started. It's a it's a long process. It took exactly one year to get the prototype to China and get the actual finished product to our front door.
0: Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the prototype. So did you actually like start putting stuff together yourself to try yes. to recreate
1: what you had in your mind? Yes, okay. exactly. So we knew that it couldn't be any stretchy material. It needed to be something very taut, Uh, Because if it's stretching, then obviously it won't serve the purpose. We also knew that it needed to be very strong clips. So we had to uh, research clips. And it needed to be small so it's discreet. So you can wear tight-fitting, low-cut outfits. Um, So a lot goes into the actual design of the prototype because it needs to fit one size fits all. Um, It needed to be something that was not going to irritate skin. It needed to be discreet. Uh, and that took a while, but we did figure out exactly the perfect uh, combination of those three things. Okay. Okay. That's, that's really
0: interesting. It's, it's always fascinated me how people can come up with this kind of thing when you need A model of what it is you're trying to make but if I had the thing I was trying to make I don't know that I would need you so so it's it's the mass production then that you need to have someone produce and do they when you send them this prototype are they able to to make any kind of suggestions or it's the prototype and they're going to actually reproduce it in in exactly that way
1: Great question. So when you deal with China, um, they will not make suggestions. Okay. They replicate exactly what you send them. If you send them something that has a weird um, stitch in it, they Mm. will replicate that. So that's another thing. We needed to stitch it in such a way that it wasn't gonna unravel, that it wasn't gonna show through, that it, you know, so they replicated exactly the design that we came up with even the stitching.
0: Okay, so to even then come up with the prototype, did you do some testing with yourself and maybe some friends or something? How did you manage to get something that you felt really good about then sending to the people who would be mass producing it?
1: Yeah, so I tested it out on myself and probably 20 to 30 other women. Okay. Um, some of the women are still wearing the prototype, which is funny, but um, <laughs> Yeah, they loved it. Um, Never ever had any problems with it. So that's when we knew we can move forward and order 10,000 of these. So that was a little risky because you don't know what you're gonna get back when you get 10,000 products. So actually 30,000 because three come in a box. Um, But they did such a fantastic job with sewing it exactly the way we wanted painting the clips the way the colors that we wanted Okay, Uh, so we were we were really lucky. I hear of horrible stories Where the manufacturer does not do it a good job. They cut corners, but we did not experience that
0: Okay, so how do you find somebody? and and let's let's just address a little bit about the elephant in the room so you tried to get this made here in the United States yes. and you had people tell you we cannot do this at a price point that correct. is going to work is that correct
1: yes okay. I to have it manufactured here in Minnesota, where I live, I contacted a couple of people and they said that they were unable to do it. It would cost three times the amount. Well, if you're paying three times the amount for a product you make, there's no right. way you can make any profit. Right. So it just wasn't an option. So we knew we needed to go overseas. Um, my husband is my partner as well. He spent a lot of time researching manufacturers we're hoping down the road that will be in big box stores for example target target has very specific requirements with manufacturers in China it has to be clean it has to be you know obviously no child labor very very important keys that you need to find when you look for the right manufacturer for your product in in China some uh, companies only deal with belts some only deal with bra. So you can narrow it down with the type of product that you're looking to have manufactured.
0: Okay, that makes sense. So your husband then was the was he like the intermediary with this company that you went with in China, or did you need to bring in an outside consultant or no. somebody like that? No?
1: Yep, a lot of people do okay. that again we're lucky we didn't have to do that okay Uh, we just found this really good company they were very responsive always emailed back um so the language barrier at times can be a little difficult, but my husband dealt with that just fine, keeping everything very simplistic, sentences very short. Um, So uh, we do realize at some point we're probably gonna have to, he's probably gonna have to fly to China just to meet the people. It's very important in the Chinese culture that you actually have a face-to-face meeting. So I think probably next year we'll end up going there to meet the manufacturer and go visit the plant.
0: Okay. And then what about from a legal standpoint? Are there, you know, there must be some kind of complicated laws that govern getting something made. But I guess since, you know, you're not talking about a food product, it probably isn't that complicated. What are there anything, anything there that surprised you or that you want to mention to make sure that somebody check out X?
1: Right. Well, my, I'm lucky my husband is a patent attorney, so it is patent pending. So you need to be Right. because they are, and I and our company that we're dealing with, I don't think we need to worry about that, but you hear about nightmare stories where you send a prototype to China and they replicate it exactly and sell it for one-tenth of what you're looking to sell it for. Right, right. So those are difficult things that people need to really consider, make sure that they sign an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, just protect your own product as best as you can. But not everybody has the opportunity to hire a patent attorney. They're very expensive. So just make sure you do your homework so your idea is not stolen.
0: Okay. Okay. That's a really great tip. So when did you realize that you had something that other people would genuinely pay for and that it was worth it to go through all of that? Was it during your prototype testing?
1: You know, I wear it every day and I thought, I'm just an average person. I'm average size. I'm a size eight. Uh, My bra cup is like a D. Um, I wear it every day and I feel so much more confident and more support and secure that I thought... If I love it, why wouldn't other women not love it? Yeah. So when I started having my friends wear it and they loved it, I thought, okay, we have something here. Now what is so wonderful is I have women in their 20s ordering the bra bridge, and I have women in their 80s. All for different reasons. So older women like it, not because they want cleavage, and I didn't want more cleavage, but they love the support. You know, the feel of it being a little tighter and not rubbing against their arms. Um, I have women in their 50s who do want a little lift and support. I have women in their 20s who, for some reason, their breasts aren't where they want them. They are a little lower. Who knows what the reasons are? And most importantly, I have women who have been breast cancer survivors, and have maybe a lumpectomy and so the bras don't fit right and this gives them the perfect fit so that has been very uh, empowering and exciting
0: outstanding yeah that's really great i never would have thought that but it certainly makes sense because yeah it, i mean the thought that we're we're perfectly matched on both sides, I think we all know is ridiculous. But then to have people who have some kind of surgical issue that they're then trying to accommodate, I mean, that would be a big pain in the neck. I'll tell you, back in the day, I would have done anything to minimize even the slight bouncing.
1: Oh, right, exactly.
0: Just, uh, yeah, as a teenager, it was like I bloomed literally overnight like one day I woke up and went holy cow what is this all about and then you'll just I mean yeah it was just really painful right it it was painful you felt like there were was a big neon arrow pointing right at your chest and you're trying to present yourself as an intel at that time an intelligent kid and you just felt like at their every bounce
1: I'm being stared at it's Well, absolutely. And you'd be surprised because teenagers deal with that all the time, but also women in my age, you know, I, again, I didn't design this because I want more cleavage. If anything, I want less cleavage and I want less obvious bounce and breasts. And I'm not willing to wear a sports bra because that's really designed for sports. It flattens women out. It doesn't give you an attractive look or curve. So this was, such an easy fix for a problem that so many women struggle with. We don't want the, you know, Hey, look at me. You know, we want, look at me here, not down here. And so I just, like I said, I just keep it on my bra and I never take it off. And when I do take it off that rare occasion, because I, I don't know why I'm going to switch it to a different bra. I always have to put it on. I will not leave the house without it because I don't feel as confident and secure
0: yeah yeah that's brilliant that's that's really brilliant so i know you're a mom right you are as you said you are a full-time defense attorney hell in the heck did you manage to fit this in i mean it, it took a year as you say so how did you manage to fit this in with everything else going on in your life
1: well, I have three boys, and they're now older. One's twelve, one's seventeen, and one's nineteen. So mm-hmm. they really helped a lot initially. My husband's a huge help. Um, you know, practicing law is um, busy, but I can do a lot in between. For example, while I'm before I we had this meeting, I'm reviewing my script for the infomercial that we're shooting tomorrow. So mm-hmm. I squeeze a lot in. And, um, when we all work together, my family, it gives us good family time. So we always eat together. We'll talk about where Broadbridge is, what we're doing next. And so it's, it, it's really, I think of it as an addition to my life and a plus, not a hindrance or not too much work.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think that, and the fact that you have all sons I think oh. is an added bonus actually because I you know there's lots of talk right now about raising sons who are respectful yeah uh, and, and every definition every variation of that of that word respectful of girls and women and I can't think of anything better for them to see than and and experience than first of all this conversation about this particular body part and the baggage attached to it and then seeing their mom, you know, basically start her own company uh, in her spare time and uh, focusing on something that that impacts women and girls so directly and, and speaks to their confidence. So I, I'm really excited for you and, and proud of them that they would participate, and I'm sure you are too, and that they would would be so participative in, in what you're building.
1: You know, I as a lawyer, criminal defense, I talk to them all the time about, you know, things are changing. I represent college kids who are in trouble because, With Title IX, for example, you have to ask permission for everything. If you want to kiss the girl, you have to ask permission. If you've been dating her a long time, you need to ask permission to, you know, touch her cheek or kiss her cheek. Things have gotten somewhat out of hand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I talk to my kids all the time about those things to keep that in mind. And so a bra bridge is funny because they are learning a lot about bras and women and confidence issues and insecurities. And so I think they're going to be a lot more, um, aware of this versus just assume that, oh, a girl's confident and she feels good about herself and I can say anything to her. That's not the case. Women are very sensitive and, You need to be somewhat delicate and kind and considerate and thoughtful. And I think them seeing their mother involved in a company like this and starting a company, I think they see so many different aspects of a woman, a confidence builder, Mm -hmm. a strong person, somebody who wants to build something, but also addressing women's, you know, lack of confidence and insecurities. So it's just a big package wrapped up in one. Yeah,
0: yeah, it is. That's really exciting. So let's talk a little bit about the eight courageous actions that it takes to build, run, and grow a profitable business. So first is marketing. And, you know, you've done everything from creating to actually promoting this. You said that you're getting ready to uh, record an infomercial. How did you start? building a marketing strategy for this a physical product like this.
1: It's trial by error. <laughs> um, I thought maybe Facebook would be a way to do it. Facebook is very expensive and the, the um, return on your money is not that great, but you still need to get the word out. So that's an interesting thing. Google AdWords is another way, very expensive. We have the added problem of educating people about a product that doesn't exist. Unlike, for example, if you're selling socks, everybody knows what a sock, sock is, but so you just need to make your product stand out a little bit different. We have the added problem of saying this product does not exist, but here's why you want to try it. Yeah. So it's really trial by error, and I'm learning so much along the way. Word of mouth is huge. If a woman likes a product, they will tell their friends. Right. Right. So that's a really good way to do it.
0: Yeah. You know, the other thing I think about... marketing something like this it's not that we don't know that there's a problem Mm -hmm. it's that we're so used to dealing with it and living with the problem that we've probably never thought that there could possibly be a solution so Yeah. yeah educating people that hey you have this is really annoying and and i know how to fix it and this is what you need that's the big, the big issue I think is just going, having people go, Oh my God, I don't have to live like this. That's fantastic. So yeah, getting that message out and, and getting in front of the, the right people and the right numbers of people. Yeah, that's a, always a trick, isn't it? So right. what has surprised you about selling a physical product like this?
1: Well, um, uh, I think when, what surprised me is women are not that daring to try something new, but once (laughs) they do, they love it. So I have to explain, here's what it will do for you and why it will make you feel good. And they're like, hmm, because like you said, they're not used to having a solution to the problem. They just live with the bras that aren't comfortable and lack of support and confidence. And so what surprises me is once they try it on, at least with my product, I can't speak about any other products, they leave it on and they buy it. It's the it's really amazing to see that switch. Like they look in the mirror and they're like, oh my God, I love how I look. Bingo. And so that surprises me. That they need to try it on before they know they'll love it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to put myself in, in somebody's place. And I think that there's so much that in, in any category, a product category that we've tried that ha- we've been disappointed. Right. right. I mean, we spend a lot of money on a bra. Yeah, and the bra doesn't do it. So I think that you know, for me, that would probably be the hard connect. Like I've already spent thirty-five dollars on this stupid bra, right. and and you're telling me I need an extra little piece. I can't, right. you know, I can't process that, and I don't want it to be true. I want to think that I just spent thirty-five dollars, and it's going to work. It's going to do do its job. But
1: right, oh and God, a way. lot of women worry that it's going to show through. Or yeah, be- yeah and it's completely discreet. I only wear tight-fitting, low-cut things because it's just the way I dress. Yeah. Um, And it does not show through. So nobody needs to worry that it's going to be something, you know, like, oh, what is that that you're wearing? Nobody, Right.
0: Right. Excuse me. But I can see where a before and after kind of experience would be powerful and be visually a, a really powerful sales tool if you will
1: very much so and we have the befores and afters on our website and that's why an infomercial is so important for our product because it's going to show in person essentially in your living room uh what the before and after will be like and also this is a product that women don't feel comfortable talking about surprisingly um and so i think when women are in the privacy of their own home they're going to be more inclined to think huh you know, pull their bra cups together. I'm like, oh my God, it does feel different. So that's going to be nice as well. Just that, that privacy.
0: Yeah. So, all right. So we've talked a little bit about creating, creating is one of the courageous actions, but is this going to be, you know, the only product or is it one of those things that now you've had this idea and seen it through to fruition, other ideas are, are coming to you, other problems to solve?
1: no i think i'm going to stick to this but we're just the next generation is going to be fun bra bridges with maybe camo on it pinks you know fun colors and maybe some bling uh but i'm sticking to this product because this is the product that i'm passionate about and i don't want that to be watered down
0: yeah and i'm sure that with you know let's face it there's got to be a limit to how much money you can and time you can invest in this initially so that those standard colors of black, nude, and white are probably the limit right. of where you want to spend your money initially and then expand into, right. you know, there's probably a zillion things that you could do with it. Totally. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yes. So Okay, so managing a business. Can, can you talk about anything that you, it really surprised you in managing this as you started this from the ground up and began to grow it?
1: Um, managing is really important with respect to customer service. I am a big believer in customer service because yeah. being a lawyer, I call my clients back immediately. I never make them wait. And I do the same with Broadbridge. If somebody um, has a question, I respond immediately. I tell them they can call me. Older women prefer to call versus email. Older women prefer to order on the phone versus online. So that is a really big um, piece of managing a business is making sure you are present for the customers because it goes a long way. Yeah. To anybody, make sure. Um, that you are always available for these customers because they deserve that. If they're going to spend their money on a product, they deserve to be able to be heard with whatever, if it's a compliment or a complaint.
0: Right, yeah, interesting that you would say that. This is the second interview I've done today and both of you said that in, in the area of management that managing the, the client experience, the customer experience, and making sure it's a, an outstanding one is is one of the biggest issues so yeah really hammering that home that's great all right so growing as we grow our business there's so much to learn and we we need to grow personally as well as professionally as we build this business what do you wish you had known more about uh, in terms of growing and running a business before you started kind of in what you know now that you wish you knew then type of thing
1: I am glad I knew nothing going into that. <laughs> to perfect, run away <laughs> yeah, perfectly honest. I like the idea that I knew nothing because if you know too much and you go into a new business, then you're going to constantly look for those things that you're supposed to expect. Okay. Mm-hmm. Instead of focusing on what you're focusing on that moment. For example, um, I was supposed to be an O magazine. Broadbridge was supposed to be, uh, maybe three, four months ago. Okay. They had it all ready to go. And I get an email saying we had to cut the story because something else came up. And I told my partner about that. She said, mm, I expected that. You never know with these, with these magazines, they cut you just like that. Yep. Glad I didn't know that because had I known that, I would have constantly been worried, like, oh my God, oh God, two more days, let's see if it's gonna go, let's go. You know, and you're constantly worried about things that are out of your control. Now I know that things will get cut and they'll put it in another time. It's okay, it's okay to kind of go with the flow and learn as you go, because every business is different, you cannot predict what's gonna happen with any business, in my opinion. I could not have predicted what was gonna happen with my law practice, because it's a solo practice and. Essentially it's a business. Um, and Nora with Broadbridge. So that's, that's okay. Okay. All right. Great.
0: So what is, and last but no, by no means least is living, right? Which is the whole point of us even having a business of our own. Otherwise we'd go get a job. But what is your best tip for really building a life as much as you're building a
1: business? Um, building a life, you know, again, I, um, I have never been afraid of rejection. I'm okay with rejection. I cold call people all the time, editors. um, And if they don't get back with me, I'll call them again and I'll email them again. And this is a perfect example. I was just on the radio um, Saturday uh, with a um, radio show called Shop Girls. I have tried to get on that radio show for a long time. And I kept emailing, kept emailing, and nothing, nothing. And I thought, are they getting my email? So I thought, I'm going to call. What the heck? What do I have to lose? She said, you know what? I'm so glad you called. We have an opening this Saturday. It's like, open there, what time? So don't worry about rejection. So what? If somebody says no, just call the next person or email the next person. Something else will always come along. It's okay to hear no.
0: Yeah, and you know what, I think that that point, that example is such a great one on so many levels. I used to be a corporate recruiter. And I always pre- you know, prided myself on being organized and having my applicant files and all that stuff. But there are times when, hey, I've got a lot of, I'm, my job is for the employer. It's not finding you, the applicant, a job. Terrible applicants would never have a problem calling. Yeah, they would call and call and call until you know. I didn't want to be rude, but stop calling me. Oh, funny! But the good person, you know. Oh, I don't want to bother them. I don't want to pester them. Are you kidding? The one time somebody who was good, who I had just forgotten, or I've been trying to remember now. What was that person's name again? Thank God you called. So, yeah. Always assume that they're that they're. 10 times busier than you are, and that you're helping them remember how fabulous you are. So, yeah, and you're not going to run into them in the grocery store to work, right? So what's there to be embarrassed about? That's a great point.
1: Right. Nothing to lose. I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So, so Judith, tell us what is the next big step? Do you want to share a little bit about this infomercial, or would you rather keep that to your
1: chest? we're hoping that it's going to air right after Christmas. Okay. Um, so we're going to Florida tomorrow to shoot it. Um, and so editing will take a little bit. But right after Christmas, we're going to be on, on the TV. So this is going to be fun. Um, I did bring a show, a product. It is $19.99 for That's all three. So you get the black, nude, and white um it it, it's a great stocking stuffer it's great for (laughs) sisters mothers daughters and I promise you it will feel so good to have it on and just give you that better posture comfort support and like I said I'm passionate about it and that's why I'm not going to do anything else because I don't I want to stick with one thing that I know very well and feel good about yeah that's great. That's great. And we will have
0: links to the Broadbridge site and all that so you can check it out as well. And uh, outstanding. It's been so, so much fun talking to you. I wish you best of luck with this project it's, uh, and this product. It's so exciting.
1: Thank you so much, Winnie. I appreciate it.
0: All right. I hope you enjoyed that and found it interesting. I think it shows how often the key to success really is in solving a problem that we have ourselves. If you like this episode, please share it with your connections and please leave a great review for it on the platform where you consumed it. And be sure to subscribe either on that specific platform like iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, or you can subscribe to the video version on my YouTube channel. When you subscribe on my website at winnieanderson.com slash fans, you'll get episodes emailed to you each week along with information, tips, and resources to help you come out of hiding Get your message out in a more powerful way and achieve your business goals so you can profit from your expertise and do it all in alignment with your beliefs and values all right so your cocktail exercise otherwise known as a reflection exercise no alcohol needs to be involved don't overindulge and don't drink and drive all right so whether you sell products or like most of the audience sell services the key issue here is understanding the problem you solve the outcome or transformation that you provide. You know, Service providers are really a special set of entrepreneurs. We don't identify a problem and then come up with a solution. We're focused on the gifts and talents that we have and how we can use them. We're kind of a solution looking for a problem to solve. No one thinks they want to be taught. No one thinks they want to be coached. They think about the problem they have and what they want instead. Even if your target audience is solution focused or aspirational in their thinking, they still want an outcome. So your reflection exercise is to think about the problem you solve. Can you articulate that problem clearly and simply in a way that helps people see you understand them and what they're dealing with, and that your solution is a perfect match to their their problem. It's going to fix it, and it's going to lead to the transformation they want. Okay. Your action step like most of these. This is, you know, technically more than one, but you get the point. So do some research into your audience and the problem. The chances are very good that your gifts and the solution you offer are tied to a problem that you yourself experienced and you worked through. Talking about that experience is part of what builds your credibility and helps the audience to really resonate with you and see that it makes sense to work with you to solve the problem. In the case of we corporate escapees, it could very well be that the problem you solved was for your employer and that's where you really cultivated your gifts and your strengths as well as your point of view on solving the problem. Do some research into how other people talk about the problem so you can see if your language matches theirs. And I'm talking about, you know, there are people who solve a problem similar to yours and you want to make sure that your solution is clearly differentiated. It might use some of the similar language, it might not, but you really want to have your message resonate with the audience, the people who you're really trying to serve. So identify all the ways the problem impacts their life and talk about them in your messaging. For example, if you work with people to price their offerings, right, the impact of undercharging is far reaching and you want to help people recognize how undercharging impacts their stress, it limits their ability to support causes, it otherwise negatively impacts them and how they would make change in the world and how they support their families. Then start talking in language that's problem-solution-focused. Those messages really get attention because it's what people are thinking about. And if you're a mission-driven, passionate introvert who is ready to get your message out in a more powerful way and you'd like to hang out in an online community of like-minded and like-personality professionals, then head over to winnieanderson.com slash join FB. That's winnieanderson.com slash join, F is in Frank, B is in Boy and join my Facebook group. It's for passionate introverts who are ready to change the world. Thanks for listening, and remember, you deserve all the success you dream of.